we see these women who are leaning into their power, who are leaning into their potential, who it's, it's like they've broken out of that earlier paradigm of, do I want a man or do I want a dream? It's like, of course, that's not even a question, right? That like, let's see what I can do. Let's see how much I can hold. Let's see how much I get to embody that it, I get to have all of the things. To all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. This is Spiritually Ever After, the place where Disney meets wellness and spirituality. I'm your host, Kitty Packman, spiritual mentor, licensed therapist, and major Disney person. This is the place where the magic of spirituality, self-awareness, and personal development meets the magic of Disney. You are safe to be your full magical self here. Now let's dive in. Hello, welcome to the Spiritually Ever After podcast. I'm your host, Kitty Packman. Whether you have been joining us all along or this is your first time, welcome. Really excited to dive in today. We're going to be talking about Disney I Want songs. So we've officially moved past the holiday season, the New Year season, and we're coming upon the holiday of love. So Valentine's Day. And I figured this would be a fun time to rank Disney's best I want songs because a lot of them are about romantic love. I think a lot of people think they're all about romantic love. And a lot of the newer ones aren't. And so I'm excited to dive in and to then hear what you think and see if you agree with me and if you would rank them the same way. So for those who are wondering what an I want song is, and again, what I'm saying is I want, because essentially these are these songs where we are seeing our main character describe what they want and what their motivation is through the movie. I first learned of these from a documentary where I saw Howard Ashman, who, if you have been listening to the podcast, you know my love for Howard Ashman. Howard Ashman was talking about writing the lyrics for The Little Mermaid and talking about I want songs. And so I I dove in a little bit and got really curious about these. And so for this episode, I figured I would give you the definition from broadwayworld.com because I want songs are not just Disney. They are really more of musical theater. Um, and so broadwayworld.com explains it's usually, but not always one of the first songs in a musical. The I want song is a quick way to loop in the audience on the motivations of the main character, which often drive his or her actions throughout the rest of the show. And the term is widely considered to have been coined by composer Lehman Engel. So I'll link that page from broadwayworld.com in the show notes so that if you want to learn a little bit more, read what they have to say about it. But pretty much every good Disney musical has an I want song. And they're definitely not all created equal, <laughs> but it's really what draws you in and sets the stage for the whole movie and gives you a little bit of background, tells you about your protagonist. The good ones tell you a little bit more, but again, we're going to get into it. And the plan is to make this be sort of a recurring series on the podcast where we rank different Disney songs, different movies, uh, you know, attractions, all of it. So if you enjoy this episode and you want to hear more of these rankings, 
leave us a review, you know, reply to one of our community questions on Spotify, or you can DM me on Instagram. It's at spiritually underscore ever after. We would love to hear from you. We would love to hear what you would like to hear us rank and hear your rankings in return. And I'll also say that make sure you stick around after number one on this list, because I have a few honorable mentions and make sure you check the show notes because I have a link in there for the Disney I Want Songs playlist that I've created on Spotify to go along with this episode. So without further ado, let's dive in. Number 10 on the list, Someday My Prince Will Come from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. So this is the, I had to have at least one of the classic (laughs) Disney movies, uh, but this is the only one you're going to see on my list. And this song, it's like, yes, it's about wanting love, but it's a lot more than that because this whole movie really is about Snow White needing to stay alive because of her, you know, this evil queen, her stepmother. And Yes, she wants love, but she ends up actually manifesting a prince who saves her life. So in a way, because she wants this love, that's how she ends up kind of saving her own life. So yes, it's about love. Yes, it's, you know, just a classic, you know, princess wanting to find her prince charming. And it is more than that, because again, this prince charming is the only way that she ends up staying alive through the end of the movie. So Again, like I said, I felt like we had to have at least one of the classics on here, but I just really don't think that the classic I Want songs from, you know, Snow White, Cinderella, all of those, that they compare to the newer stuff. I looked at the list and other than this song, all of the songs are post-Disney Renaissance. So that's starting in 1989. um, And six out of the 10 are from 2009 or later. So maybe I'm biased, but I am definitely a fan of the newer music, especially when it comes to these I Want songs. I think they've learned how to do a lot more in these songs where they're really good songs. They're really interesting to listen to and we're getting, you know, more background. So getting into number nine, perfect example of that. Waiting on a Miracle from Encanto. So again, if you haven't listened to the Encanto episode, I highly recommend that you do. It's a fan favorite. And I mean, again, I'm obsessed with this movie. The whole soundtrack is just, it's so, so good. And I will admit that almost all of the songs, you know, with singing in them from this movie were in my Spotify top 100 from last year. I listened to the soundtrack a lot. So Waiting on a Miracle, the song starts out with Mirabelle, right? With the don't be upset or mad at all. Don't feel regret or sad at all. And as I was re-listening for preparing for this episode, I was realizing it was kind of giving me let it go vibes, right? Like that conceal, don't feel when of course we know that that doesn't work. Uh, You may know if, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast that I'm a licensed therapist and I always say when I'm working with clients who have that tendency to want to push things down, it's like a beach ball. And if you push it under the water, the further you push it down, the harder it bounces back up and smacks you in the face when you you finally let it go. Whereas instead, if you can just kind of let those feelings be on the surface, right? You let that beach ball just float on the surface. It is a lot healthier. Um, So we see this in a lot of the songs. And again, we're seeing this in this, this kind of like foundation that we're starting here in Waiting on a Miracle. I love too how the lyrics in this directly speak to the other family members' gifts without being super repetitive or super direct. Um, And again, when we get into the honorable mentions, you'll really understand what I'm saying here. 
but Lin-Manuel Miranda really just does such a good job of weaving it all together. And again, using kind of like even, right, we see them using this door as a metaphor, but it's also not metaphorical because it is literal doors that they have to open to get their gifts. So it's just lots and lots of layers. And it's, again, it's unlike some of these others, which kind of say the base, the same basic thing over and over again. Um, it doesn't speak directly to plot points. It really more speaks to themes of the movie and just does a lot of foreshadowing in a really, really nice way. And I love how what Mirabel wants in this, her want is a miracle, which again has layers, right? Because on the surface, it could mean just some sort of magical answer, but it goes so much deeper than that when you understand kind of like how Mirabel sees things, both at this point in the movie and then by the end of the movie, how she sees herself, how she sees her family, how she sees just all of it. It's just really, really well done. Um, and it has one of my favorite lines ever. Uh, this, I've been patient and steadfast and steady. I don't know if it's just me being a Hufflepuff or what. This is just, to me, it really like hits home of, it's like that feeling when it's like, I've been doing, I've been doing the right thing. I've been doing it over and over and I've been patient and I've been steadfast and I've been steady. Like, when is it going to be my time? So I, I just love this song and I love this movie. Number eight is For the First Time in Forever from Frozen. And this is the only movie that has two songs on this list. And it's because we have two protagonists and they each get their own I Want song. And each of these songs really builds on each other. That's what I love about this soundtrack is that they keep repeating certain sections over and over, but not, it doesn't feel super repetitive. It just builds and builds and it's really well done. It, to me, this is a really perfect introductory song because it gives us a lot of the plot, but it's not boring and it's not clear storytelling. It doesn't feel like we are being sold on this plot. We're just going along for the ride and we really get to know Anna and she's just so cute. And Kristen Bell is just, in my opinion, a very, very good actress. And like I said, they continue to reference certain sections throughout the rest of the movie. And it just like, it creates so much depth. By building that way. I think this music again is really, really well done. The music from Frozen is done by Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez. They are a married couple. And if you haven't watched, there's a documentary on Disney Plus called Into the Unknown. It's making a Frozen 2. So you get to see a little bit of their process, which was really cool. Feels like I, I feels like I know them. Um, but yeah, just when I listened to this song for preparing for this episode, I realized that Anna does meet the one that night because she does meet Kristoff later on that night. It's not just Hans, right? Obviously we, we see this in a really fun, ironic way at the end of the song when she says, you know, nothing's in my way. And then of course Hans is in her way. Um, but you know, she, she says, what if I meet the one? And she does actually meet the one. She meets Kristoff that night as well. So there's lots of foreshadowing, but not in a super obvious way. I think this movie, maybe out of all of the more recent ones, does a really good job of this. I remember the first time that I watched Frozen and I, I didn't see a lot of things coming, which was really fun and atypical for a lot of these movies. So 
I also really like how in this song, we see this juxtaposition of Anna and Elsa, right? From the start, it's set up for us. So we have Anna and she's singing happily about the gates being open. And then it's going to Elsa, who's singing, you know, a lot slower, a little bit sadder. And it's don't let them in, don't let them see, right? So it's almost like from the start, these two were set up to fail because of that opposition. And of course, if you've seen the movie, I'm not going to give anything away, but the way that it ends is just so, so, so beautifully done. Um, And then, you know, as I referenced earlier, the ending of this song is one of my favorites because Anna says, for the first time in forever, nothing's in my way. And of course we have the irony because that's when she meets Hans and Hans definitely gets in her way. Um, But there's also kind of like a second layer of irony here in that it's actually for the first time in forever that she does have something in her way. Because even though she felt really kind of cooped up and like she had no one and very isolated, she was safe. Whereas what's about to happen is just going to completely change her life. So that is the first of two Frozen songs on this list. Spoiler alert, I'm sure you can guess what the other one is, but for the first time in forever is a, is a really good song. So that's number eight. Number seven is When Will My Life Begin from Tangled. And this has become one of my favorites, but I didn't really love this movie when it first came out. It came out in 2010. So I was in college and that was when I really wasn't super into Disney. Like I'd said in the last episode, when I was talking with Kate about Disney adults, that was when I had sort of pulled away a little bit. So when Princess and the Frog and Tangled came out, I wasn't super into them. And then a few years later, when I came back, that's when I started to kind of rediscover these ones. And the music in Tangled is done by Alan Menken. And I will say that Alan Menken has the most songs on this list. So that's pretty cool. Um, But the lyrics were not done by Howard Ashman at this point, because unfortunately he had passed away. So I do love how the pace of this song matches sort of like the life in the tower when it's going fast and she's talking about all of these things that she's doing and just waiting for her life to begin and she's you know keeping herself very busy in the in the meantime um and then it slows down when she's talking about looking at the lanterns and it's kind of representative of her her true life who she really is and that life as a princess who she's meant to be and we see this a lot in a lot of these songs, especially as we get lower down the list, closer and closer to number one, we'll see a lot of that juxtaposition of like the music pace of the music and the sound of the music matching this schism, right? Of our protagonist who is living some sort of life that isn't in alignment and and how they deep down know what they really are meant to be doing and how they're meant to be living. Again, When Will My Life Begin from Tangled is a really good one. And I love how there are a few reprises for this. I think there are two other reprises that just build on themselves. But something that I always wonder with this song is why Mother Gothel told Rapunzel that her real birthday is her real birthday. Because at that point, Mother Gothel would have known that they were doing the lantern thing. She would have been worried that Rapunzel could figure it out. Why wouldn't she have just said she had a different birthday? I don't know. Obviously, there's always little details that sometimes go through the, you know, slip through the cracks. But I always wonder that when I watch this, I'm like, that was probably a mistake, Mother Galpo. All right. So number six is, again, it's actually from that's right around that same time period, Princess and the Frogs almost there. So Princess and the Frog came out in 2009, just before Tangled. So again, I wasn't super into this movie when it first came out, but then once I saw it a few years later, I 
just absolutely loved it. I think the music is so good. The characters are so good. I think Tiana is one of the best Disney princesses that we have, especially if you're an entrepreneur. This whole song is almost like just, it's perfect for anyone who is, um, you know, has some sort of big goal and is really focused on it. So, you know, I love how Tiana wants to get married. She wants to have a family and her business and her dreams come first. And it's not either or, right? It's not like we're seeing in, especially in the older ones where it was sort of like all they were focused on was love. She wants both, right? And, you know, we see that we keep seeing it coming back throughout this movie where when Tiana's father passed, Tiana took his message to her to mean that she needs to really stay focused on opening the restaurant and stay focused on her dreams and stay focused on her goals. And her mom, of course, sees it as, no, you have to value your family first and to put your family first and love first and the people that you love. So I love how it kind of keeps coming back to that. But we really see in this song, this foundational storyline of that Tiana is very focused. She knows what she wants and she knows how she's going to get there, right? There's the line of, I know exactly where I'm going and I'm getting closer and closer every day. She's not just setting this big goal of having her own restaurant. She has a plan for it right? Like she's not just dreaming with her head in the clouds. She's saving. She's working two jobs pretty much around the clock. She's not going out with her friends. She's not doing anything social. She is saving every penny because she knows what she wants and she wants her restaurant and she wants to make her dad proud. My One of my favorite lines in this whole song is people down here think I'm crazy, but I don't care. And I just think that's a perfect mantra for any, like I said, any entrepreneur or anyone who is doing their own thing it's trusting that you know what's best for you, right? And that just because other people don't get it, that doesn't mean that it's wrong or that it's not right for you. It's, it, it probably actually is a sign that it is right for you. I also love that line of lookout boys, I'm coming through because it's a very clear, you know, move past what a lot of people think of when they think about Disney women and Disney princesses. And this is her saying, you know, I'm, I'm doing my thing. <laughs> like, I don't, it's not even just, you know, whether she does or doesn't want a husband, right? Again, like it, it sounds like she does want a family and she wants to get married, but it's just not her focus. And so she's just, you know, she's hyper-focused on what she wants. Music in this one, it was done by Randy Newman, who also did Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., Bugs Life, Cars. So again, a lot, a lot of very good ones. Number five on this list is How Far I'll Go by Moana. So this is our second by Lin-Manuel Miranda on the list. And I think this one has a really relatable message of wanting so badly to please the people that you love, but also needing to follow your heart and holding both of those at the same time, which can be so challenging, right? And I think also it really, what sticks out to me is this hope that exists in just making the choice to try, right? To go, to do the thing, whatever your thing is. And more than just hope, I think it's that that knowing, you know, she says, if I go, there's just no telling how far I'll go. So it's it's just all you have to do is take that first step and then the next and then the next. And yeah, I think this is another really good one for entrepreneurs or anyone who's living a life off the beaten path. Um, and I think this is also just a really, really genuine performance by Auli'i Carvalho because 
she, you know, she was, she was really young. She was 15. She's a native Hawaiian girl who was cast as Moana and you can just feel it in this song, like how proud she is and excited she is to, to be doing this. So it's really cool. I'll also say that while I was listening to this one on Spotify, I saw that that storyline also includes a quote from Lin-Manuel Miranda about how it was so intimidating to write a Disney I Want song. So the synchronicity is I hadn't seen anything prior to planning to do this episode. And then, you know, once I looked into it, of course, it's everywhere. And I'm just seeing, again, that there is such a bigger community around this and that these things are being talked about, but maybe not exactly in this way. And so if you are a musical theater person and you're just hearing this and you're maybe not super into Disney, but you have insights, please share them. Or if you're a Disney person and had never heard this term, I want songs before, and you're you're finding this to be interesting, please, please share your opinions. I would love to hear. I would love to engage with you. And like I said, I am excited to do more of these ranking episodes. So if you have ideas for those, definitely let us know. All right. So we are now getting into number four. Number four is our second song from Frozen on the list. It is Let It Go. And honestly, it feels like every single word in this song was intentionally chosen. And every single word really sets the stage for this epic, epic transformation of Elsa. And this is really the first time that we have a Disney song that's celebrating a second female protagonist. And the second one is kind of breaking out of society's norms while we have the first who is wanting that classic fairy tale. So we have lots of movies, obviously, who have that you know, Disney princess who is looking for love. We have now, especially more recently, a bunch of Disney princesses or Disney women who want more, who want, you know, they want a restaurant, they want to do things their own way. Frozen has both of these, right? And so this is, again, being able to see those two kind of balancing each other out is really, really well done throughout this. And again, just the every word in this song, it's like they... You know, they say the kingdom of isolation and, and it looks like I'm the queen. There's just so many references back to the earlier songs and it's just really, really, really well done and it all weaves together so nicely. Of course, we have that conceal, don't feel, don't let them know. Well, now they know, <laughs> right? It's like I tried. I really did. I Heaven knows I tried, right? I did the best that I could. And here we are now. And so we're going to have to... Uh, we're going to have to roll with it because now they know. So, right. She's, she now gets to be her true self. I love how there's the line that she says, turn away and slam the door. And of course she ends the song doing exactly that in the most epic way. Um, there's also the line where she says, it's time to see what I can do. And this is something that I've noticed is a theme in a lot of the newer movies, right? We see it in Moana. We see it in Encanto. We see these women who are leaning into their power, who are leaning into their potential, who it's it's like they've broken out of that earlier paradigm of, do I want a man or do I want a dream? It's like, of course, that's not even a question, right? That like, let's see what I can do. Let's see how much I can hold. Let's see how much I get to embody that it I get to have all of the things. That's how I take this. Um, yeah, it's, I just think it's super powerful. And 
we can't talk about this song without talking about the epic makeover <laughs> during this part of the movie because it is just so beautiful and you can again just feel the power and it's not that when you at least when I first saw Elsa in her first outfit what she first looks like it wasn't like I really felt like the outfit felt restrictive or that it was stopping her from being herself but it's kind of one of those things where you, you don't you don't know what you don't know right because once she goes through this transformation and we see her switch outfits and we see her, you know, pull the braid down and just let loose. It's, I have like chills thinking about it. You see her so much more in the fullness of who she is than she was before. And I think that's really true for a lot of us, right? Is that sometimes we don't realize how deep of a funk we're in or how out of alignment we are from who we, who we truly are until we start to remember who we are. And then all of a sudden it's like, how did I live like that for so long, right? And then of course we can't talk about Let It Go without talking about that E flat at the end because only Adina Menzel could hit that note and make it sound that good. It's just absolutely incredible. She is incredible. Adele Dazeem, I love you forever. All right, we are up to our top three songs and they're probably not going to be too surprising. So number three, honestly, this song would have been my number two or maybe even my number one, but it has a lot of dialogue. And in my opinion, it's almost more of a full introduction than just an I want song. So this is Belle from Beauty and the Beast. And so I'm going to get a little more into this later on when I'm talking about one of the other songs on here, but Basically, the Howard Ashman, Alan Menken team, once by the time they got to Beauty and the Beast, and I know I've talked about this in the podcast, that they were brought on to basically salvage the movie because they initially didn't plan on having Beauty and the Beast be a musical. They had created most of the movie and it really was not doing well with, um, you know, audiences. And so they they were brought on to fix this movie and to create a, a better version that people would actually want to see. And so they had a lot of freedoms. And so Alan Menken in, I can't remember which documentary it was, but I was watching some documentary where he was talking about Beauty and the Beast. And he said something to the effect of, I don't know who gave us permission to do basically a 10 plus minute musical intro for this movie, but we got away with it because between the prologue Bell and then Bell reprise. I do think it's, it might even be more than 10. It might be like closer to 12 minutes. So this song, you know, again, it's like I said, it would probably be my number one or number two, if it fit the description a little bit more, if it was a little bit shorter and not, you know, there's a lot of pauses for full dialogue moments, which is very typical for actual musical theater, not so much for a Disney movie, but again, because they had that freedom with this and both of their background was musical theater they went for it fully. And that's also why, in my opinion, this movie transitions so well to the theater. Um, if you have not seen the Beauty and the Beast show in Hollywood studios, I really recommend it, even though it might seem a little cheesy. I'm just, I love it so much. And it brings me back to seeing Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. So Again, with this song, we see that juxtaposition of the pace where it's much faster for the town and then slower for Belle. And because we have Mencken and Ashman on this, the music and the lyrics are both equally strong and they really balance each other. And there's just so much, so many different elements that come into this and weaving in some of the French language and some French cultural things. It's just really, really, really well done. 
And it just really paints a very detailed picture of the town, of our antagonist Gaston, of Belle's motivation, all of it. And it's setting us up for Belle Reprise, where she has that moment, you know, in the Great Wide somewhere. That is just one of my favorite Disney music moments ever. But I love how the town paints Belle as different and that the only thing we know that's quote unquote weird about her is basically that she reads and that she's not engaged in the minutia of this small provincial town. She just doesn't care. She doesn't have time for it. So to me, it kind of begs that age old question that we talked about in the last episode of what even is weird and who defines it? And is it even a bad thing to be weird? I honestly am kind of cautious of anyone who says they're not weird, because to me, that means you're either not in touch with your true self or you're not willing or able to show it. And either way, I, at least at this point in my life, I really want more space for, you know, and more people in my life who are just really being true and authentic and are willing to be vulnerable in that, in all of that, right? In the fullness of who they are, the the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. I love too how the book that she's describing as she's describing the plot, it's really describing their timeline. She says, uh, what, daring sword fights, magic spells, a prince in disguise. It's it's her storyline, right? And that she doesn't discover that it's him till chapter three. That's pretty much when we would have that something there scene where they're starting to fall in love. So again, just really, really well done. And it includes one of my favorite ironic LeFou lines, which if you don't know, LeFou is French for the fool. So even his name is ironic to begin with. Um, but this line where LeFou says, no beast alive stands a chance against you and no girl for that matter, right? And of course we see in this movie that Gaston loses both. So, yep, so good. So, so, so good. All right, so number two, this is my probably my favorite Disney song period. So you're not going to be surprised that it's on the list. This is I Just Can't Wait to Be King from The Lion King, music by Elton John. Um, I just, am, I'm obsessed again because I, I'm biased because I grew up thinking that I was Simba, but it's just such a good song. And again, a really good version of a want song because people probably wouldn't necessarily have even thought about this as a want song if you're thinking in that traditional a princess wanting a husband song, right? Because it's totally different. It's a, a little cub saying how much he can't wait to be king. And so right from that first line, we see that Simba is aware of his enemies. And it made me, as I was re-listening to this, kind of realize like, yeah, this is a little scary, right? And, and so it's kind of foreshadowing for him to choose that Hakuna Matata life. I don't blame him, especially after what he goes through. It's like, of course, if there's another safer option that feels, you know, like it's it's the easy way out. And, and I don't say that um, in a kind of like deprecating way, because I think a lot of a lot of us at some point or another in our life choose the easy way out, whether it's for a short period of time or for, you know, for kind of our lifetime. Um, but we see that foreshadowing here because from the start, he's talking about, you know, his enemies and, you know, he's, he's of course saying enemies beware, but he's saying it from a place of like, oh my God, I would not know how, what to do if I had my enemies near me. I love how there's this theme of working on his roar throughout the movie that's introduced here in this song. And of course, again, on the last episode, I talked about that line specifically being important to me growing up, but we see it here where from the start, you know, he's working on his roar and then 
you know, throughout the whole Hakuna Matata living with Timon and Pumbaa, he is definitely never roaring. Um, only until Nala comes back and finds him and brings him back. And then, of course, he uses that roar to scare Scar and to make Scar think that Mufasa's back. And it, that roar, again, is a really recurring theme throughout the movie. So it's well done again. Um, and this song really, again, gives us a lot of plot without giving it all away. It just sets it up, right? So we're immediately seeing that relationship with Zazu. We are seeing Mufasa's protectiveness by sending Zazu after him to watch him. We're seeing Simba's desire to do things his way. There's this line of Zazu says, if this is where the monarchy is headed, count me out. And I love that because the irony in it where it's actually not where the monarchy is headed, right? Again, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, Simba's not going to be in charge and where it is headed is worse and that it only gets better when Simba comes back. So just lots of foreshadowing, lots of kind of irony here. And then there's the classic line of everywhere you look, I'm standing in the spotlight. And Zazu says, not yet. Uh, and it's funny because yeah, he's not king yet, but he is totally in the spotlight. I mean, if you've seen Circle of Life, everyone is looking at Simba and looking to Simba. So I just think this is just this whole scene. I'm obsessed with the visuals of it, especially when he has those red leaves around him like a mane. It's just so cute. And I totally plan on doing that at some point as some sort of Disney bound. So keep an eye out for that. But yeah, no one's probably surprised that Just Can't Wait to Be King is so far down on the list. So Just Can't Wait to Be King, number two. And we are at our number one song, which again, you could probably guess it, Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid. So this Again, on Spotify, the storyline talks about it being a want song, and it's a quote from Jody Benson, who played the original Ariel. This song is, honestly, it's widely regarded as one of the best I want songs in general, not just in Disney movies. And I know I had said this, you know, on an earlier episode when I had Christina King on, and I mentioned it, you know, a little bit prior in this episode, but... Basically, what happened was Howard Ashman and Alan Menken did the music for this, and Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was one of the Disney execs at the time, I think he was studio chairman, he tried to pull the song, and he said, you know, no one wants to sit through this, this is boring, and Howard Ashman just was not having it, and absolutely refused, and said, we are not doing it without this song. So they kept the song in, and thank goodness they did. This song has become an absolute classic, and in a lot of ways this soundtrack, this movie, but specifically this song really brought Disney back to life and kicked off the Disney Renaissance and gave primarily young girls, but in general, children, people, something to connect to, something to believe in, something to feel really relatable to. So the song starts with Ariel kind of questioning herself and then it builds as she remembers her why. And in a way, it's really basically just a monologue of her saying, I know you think that I should be happy because I have all of this, but here's why I want more. And if you read between the lines, that message there is, and you can want more too, right? More is available for you too. It's, it's just so well-written and so well done. And I think the use of words like gadgets, gizmos, thingamabobs, who's it's, what's it's, it's really intentional and it makes it really relatable for anyone because those are very specific words, but they're not specific at all because they don't mean anything specific. So it's almost like your brain can fill in what your, 
whose it's and what's it would be of what you would have in your sort of cavern and cave of all of your, your most precious things. They do it again with that, you know, walking around on those, what do you call them, feet, strolling around down a, what's that word again, street, and what's a fire, and why does it, what's the word, burn, right? It's like, these are basic words that we can all kind of connect with, and it doesn't give much of the plot away at all but it feels like you really know her and you're invested in her. And so it's like, you want to know more, right? You, you want more, you want to know more. It's just so, so, so well done. Um, then we also have that line about, you know, they don't reprimand their daughters. So we get that her relationship with her dad is a part of the motivation of this. And even though the whole movie is basically about her loving Eric, trying to get him to kiss her, wanting to marry him, wanting to be with him. This song is not about him at all. Right. He's not mentioned in the song and it's, I think that's really cool and special that it was, there's more there, right? That there, it's not just that she just loves this guy. She thinks he's, you know, handsome and wants to marry him because he's so handsome. There's so much more to it that she is genuinely interested in human culture and she just wants to know more than what she currently knows. And again, music and lyrics are just so on point because this was that first Ashman Mencken Disney magic they had previously collaborated on musical theater but not in Disney and so this was the first time that they came together for like this and it was just absolutely like I said this really is what put Disney back on the map after a rough decade of the 80s and it's what really led to that Disney renaissance so not surprising at all probably for anyone but part of your world number one Disney I want song so like I said, I have some honorable mentions, first of which is one of those classic Disney movies. So it's Once Upon a Dream from Sleeping Beauty. I've mentioned this before on the podcast that I low-key love this song. I love this movie. I think that the love in Sleeping Beauty is kind of underrated and very prejudged. And I think the whole idea of this song is really cute, right? That they knew each other in a dream. And there's this deep knowing that almost kind of like transcends human doubts and expectations. Um, but it doesn't do a very good job of telling the audience what Aurora wants. It makes it seem like all she wants is romantic love, even though a lot of her dialogue really isn't focused on romantic love. And it doesn't give us really any background information the way that these Ashman Mencken songs or the more recent, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda songs or the Lopez couple of songs they give us a lot more information in them and the style of this is really different which again just kind of hearing having heard all of these more recent songs and then going back to this one right there's a full chorus it's just very very different so that was kind of cool to hear but again it just didn't give us enough background information to make that top 10. All right second honorable mention this one I really had to listen with fresh ears because I expected this to be in my top 10. So this is Go the Distance from Hercules. The Hercules soundtrack, I will say, is one of my favorite Disney soundtracks. I think it's really, really, really good. But this song is just kind of, eh. like, I think the music in this is really, really good. And again, it's Alan Menken, so we're not surprised. But it doesn't give you a lot of backstory. The lyrics are kind of weak. It just basically repeats over and over again, you know, that... He's going to find his way. He'll go the distance. And I think there was a lot more they could have done. The version that Michael Bolton sang that plays during the credits has a little bit more in the lyrics, but it wasn't in the movie. And I, I wish there was just a little bit more to this. So the music by this music in this was by Alan Menken. Lyrics were David Zippel, who also did Mulan, which I know a lot of people 
are huge Mulan soundtrack fans. It is not my favorite. So, but like I said, the rest of the soundtrack from Hercules, I absolutely love. I just think this song is a little weak. So not quite top 10 Disney I want song material. And then last but certainly not least is Out There from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And again, the music is by Alan Menken. The lyrics on this one are by Stephen Schwartz, who also did Pocahontas and Enchanted. And let's just have an Alan Menken moment here because he has really done so much. So he, Alan Menken did the music for The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Enchanted, Tangled, I know that's not even all of them. Those are just major ones that are coming to my mind right now, but there are so many others and they're just some of the absolute classics and he has won so many awards. He's just incredible. And of course, I wish that Howard Ashman was here too, to have been able to do lyrics on so much more and been able to do more because he was just such a genius lyricist. But Alan Menken is really something special. So again, Alan Menken, love you so much. Um, but I know that the pe that a lot of people love this song out there and they love this movie, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and that it's become a popular TikTok song. And I also know that as kids, we were really into Esmeralda. We had a ton of dolls of her. So I'm kind of surprised that this wasn't more of a classic for us. Um, and we just really didn't grow up with the soundtrack, I think. And as I listened preparing for this episode, it's a very different sound than most I want songs and most Disney soundtracks in general. It's a lot darker. It's kind of manipulative. It's super sad. And in my opinion, the part that is the TikTok sound is kind of the only part of this song that sounds good. I don't know if this is just me. I kind of, I don't know if I'm like, maybe I should do a rewatch episode and let you know my thoughts about this movie. So let me know if you want that, but you have to be prepared for me not to like it because based on this song, I do not think I will like it. So I hope I don't make too many people angry about this, but out there, it gets an honorable mention that that moment that is the TikTok sound, I will say is a vibe, but the rest of the song, especially the beginning is sad and is kind of messed up. All right. So just to recap, because I think there's been a lot of names that have been mentioned a bunch of times in this. And so to just give them their, their due, we have Alan Menken had the most on this list with three songs, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Tangled. Howard Ashman had two for Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. Lin-Manuel Miranda has two for Moana and Encanto. And then the Lopez team has two both from Frozen. So lots of repeat. There's a lot of big names um, that have done really, really wonderful things for Disney music. And I'm excited, like I said, to do more of these episodes. So I really am curious to hear your opinions. I'm curious to hear, first of all, if you had ever even heard of I Want Songs before this episode. And if you agree with my choices, if you feel like I forgot something, or if I have totally insulted your favorite song ever, I want to hear it. And again, if you have ideas for other rankings that you'd like to hear, let me know. And I hope that 2023 is treating you well so far. We have a lot of really fun things planned for what's coming. So make sure you stay tuned. If you want to follow along on Instagram, we are spiritually underscore ever after. And on TikTok, we are spiritually ever after. But otherwise, until our next episode. We will see you real soon. 
Thank you for being here and listening. If you loved it, leave a review and or share and tag me. I would love to connect with you. I'm spiritually underscore ever after on Instagram and spiritually ever after on TikTok. See you real soon.